Well, hello, friends. Grace and peace of our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus, be with you. Welcome to Sermons from the Mount podcast. My name is Pastor Mark O'Neill. I currently serve as the pastor of Mount Olivet United Methodist Church in Manio, North Carolina. Each week, we will post here audio recordings of the sermons that I preach from that church. Hope this one is a blessing to you. God bless. Take care. Friends, our gospel reading this morning and our sermon text comes from the Gospel of John. We'll be in the sixth chapter, reading verse 35, and then jumping over and reading verses 41 through 51. So again, we're in John chapter 6, starting at verse 35, and then 41 to 51. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Then the Jews began to complain about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They were saying, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not complain among yourselves. No one can come to me unless drawn by the Father who sent me, and I will raise that person up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. My friends, this is the word of God for you and I, the children of God. Thanks be to God. I wanted to start off this week exactly where we left off last week because I want all of us to be on the same page as far as the context of what is going on here. Jesus is one day removed from the feeding of the 20,000 people with five barley loaves and two fish. The crowd that was there that day has now come across the Sea of Galilee and has joined Jesus in Capernaum to see if Jesus has any more food. You see, they're still physically hungry. This is when Jesus tells them not to find satisfaction in that which perishes. Don't chase that which perishes. Don't hunger that which perishes. Don't thirst after that which perishes. Instead, seek that which endures and satisfies eternally. And they asked Jesus, how can we find such sustenance? And Jesus lovingly tells them, by believing in me, by believing in the one that God has sent. That's all you have to do. Come to me and believe. 
And then those gathered around Jesus that day look around at each other and say, okay, that sounds good, Jesus, but what kind of sign? What kind of miracle? What kind of work are you going to perform so that we can believe in you? Now understand, he has just fed 20,000 of their neighbors and friends, 20,000 people with five loaves and two fish, but they have an attitude of, well, that's great, Jesus, but uh, what have you done for me lately? They weren't content with just one miracle. They weren't content with all the stories they had heard of the other miracles and healings and things that Jesus has done. They weren't content with his teaching. They weren't content with his preaching. They wanted Jesus to do more for them. Then they might believe. Are we like that? Are there times in our lives where we want Jesus to do more for us? Uh, Jesus, listen, I know that you died so that my sins can be forgiven. And I know that you were resurrected so I can have eternal life with God. And I know that you said you were going to be with us always. And I know that by coming and believing in you that spiritually we will never hunger or never thirst. But it'd really be great if you could do just this one more thing for me, whatever it is. Are we like that? Then Jesus looks at them roughly, and here's what he says. He says, listen, I don't need to do a sign. I don't need to do a work. I don't need to do a miracle. God has provided you with this eternally satisfying feast, and it's right here in front of you. And then you kind of picture them maybe looking around to see if they can find this loaf of risen dough that's going to feed them eternally. And when they can't find it, they ask Jesus for it. And here's what Jesus says. He says, I... And the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Now, anticipating that there is going to be some doubt and maybe some skepticism, Jesus says a few things that's not in the lectionary reading that I want us to talk about just real quick. From last week, what are the two things that Jesus told us, promised us, that you have to do to have your spiritual hunger and thirst satisfied for all eternity. Does anybody remember what that was? Come to him and believe in him. That's it. Those two things. But again, anticipating some skepticism, particularly given that some in the crowd still want Jesus to do something to prove himself, Jesus doesn't back down. Jesus doesn't make accommodations. Jesus doesn't water down his message. He says... I've already told you that some of you have seen all that I have done, have heard that all I have said, and you still don't, do not believe. Well, you know what? That's on you. That's on you. And then Jesus says this. And Sarah alluded to it in the children's message. And when I read it this week, it almost brought me to tears. Because here's what the Lord says. He says, anyone who comes to me, I will never drive away. I will never drive away. What is he saying here? I don't care about your mistakes. I don't care about your missteps. I don't care about your failures. If you come to me, I will never drive you away. And then Jesus says that what he has come to do on this earth is not his will, but the will of the Father. And what is his father's will? His father's will is that all 
all who see and hear Jesus and believe in him may have eternal life and be raised up with Jesus on the last day. Friends, if you believe in him, he will not drive you away. Now, we may take ourselves away. We may distance ourselves from him by our thoughts, our words, and our actions. But Jesus is not going to drive us away, which means what? He intends on always being around. He intends on always being near. He intends on always being present, no matter what happens in our lives, whether it be joys or sorrows, good times or bad times, anticipated outcomes or surprises, celebrations or devastations. Jesus walks with those that come to him and believe in him. This past week with members of our Stephen Ministries team, I made visits to members of our church family who are unable to be with us in worship. I met with folks who are dealing with loss of a spouse. I met with folks who are dealing with loss of memory. I met with folks who are dealing with loss of health. I also sit on the District Committee on Ministry, and on Thursday we interviewed all-day candidates who were seeking ordination within the United Methodist Church, and each of them had stories of difficulties or loss that they have sustained. And do you know what was not lost for any of them? The presence of Jesus. The love of God. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit. None of the things that happened in their lives was because Jesus was trying to drive them away. It wasn't because they hadn't prayed enough or read enough scripture or did all the right good behavioral things. No, life, friends, is hard. And there are going to be hard times for all of us. Think about your own life. All of us have had our shares of ups and downs. All of us have experienced loss. All of us have experienced a tragedy of some sort. All of us have faced uncertain futures. Yet all of us who truly believe, not for one second, have we lost the attention and the love of Jesus. Where I think our churches fail at times is when we make our Lord out to be like some kind of a cosmic vending machine. That if we only put in the right amount of prayers and works and holy stuff, then we'll get out of Jesus what we want and life will be easy. Friends, nowhere in Scripture does it say the life of a Christian is going to be easy. Nowhere in Scripture does it say the life of a Christian is going to be always rainbows, sunshine, and unicorns. In fact, if you read some of Paul's letters... Pretty good indication that all of us are going to go through times of trial and suffering. But what Scripture does say is that the life of the believer is going to be worth it. Because it is God's will for all of us who believe that we will spend eternity with Him. Have you ever let hard times or difficulties take you away from the one that wants nothing more than to be with you? I'm convinced that our anxieties, our worries, and our fears are what lead us to believe that Jesus isn't around. And I'm further convinced that whatever it is that keeps us up at night are the things that we have not yet taken to the foot of the cross for the Lord to take from us. Or if we say we have, then we have gone back to the foot of the cross, we've picked it back up again thinking we can handle it and do it better. 
What's keeping you from the presence of Jesus in your life? We simply have to believe. Which brings us now to Jesus' discussion he has with the Jews in this morning's gospel reading. Now, when you see the Jews in Scripture, please understand it means Jewish opposition to Jesus. These are the Sadducees and the Pharisees and that bunch. And if you're wondering, well, wait a minute, where in the world do these people come from? If you go down to verse 59, what you find out is that all that we've been discussing this week and all we discussed last week took place while Jesus was teaching in the synagogue. So that's how they seem to all of a sudden show up in our story. And these Jewish leaders are all hot because they said, Jesus, why in the world and how in the world can you say that you are the bread that came down from heaven? They think this cannot possibly be. Why? Because Jesus is the son of Joseph, they say. They think they know who Jesus' father is, and as such, it is ludicrous for Jesus to say that he has come down from heaven. And why do they say this? Because they have no idea who Jesus is. We talked about this a few weeks ago, you remember? We talked about when Jesus returns in Nazareth in Mark chapter 6, and people there are like, well, this is the carpenter, or this is the son of Mary, or this is the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon, or this is the guy whose sisters are also here. In the presence of Jesus, his own hometown, they have no idea who he is. And so these Jewish leaders are having this discussion, and Jesus is really dismissive of them. He says, you don't need to complain amongst yourselves. In essence, he's saying, it doesn't really matter what you say. Why? Because they don't believe. Jesus tells them this, no one can come to me unless drawn by the Father who sent me, and I will raise that person up on the last day. Scripture tells us that Jesus knows our thoughts and knows what's in our hearts. And he is discerned in those arguing that day an unbelieving spirit. He knows that they had not allowed God to draw them towards Jesus. And that on the last day, those folks are not going to be raised up to spend eternity with him. And so that's why Jesus says, why waste time arguing amongst yourselves? They're not coming to Jesus. They don't believe in Jesus. They don't buy that in him is total satisfaction and the path to eternal life. Their arguments are worthless. They are very much the noisy gong and clanging cymbal. And in this story is a warning for all of us. You see, these past two weeks we have discussed the path to true satisfaction and the path to eternal happiness that begins by coming to and believing in Jesus. Last week, one of you asked me, how is it that we acquire the faith necessary to believe? Where does it come from? Jesus tells us this morning. It comes from opening ourselves up to the power and strength of the Holy Spirit and allowing God to draw us to Jesus. And the offer is always there, just waiting on us to take it. As Wesleyans, this is what we refer to as Prevenient grace. John Wesley said that all that is wrought in the soul by what is frequently called natural conscience, all the drawings of the Father, all the desires after God, that light where the Son of God enlightens everyone that comes into the world, that light that shows every man to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God, 
all the convictions which the Spirit from time to time works in every child of man, that grace from God is what draws us to Jesus. And how does he do it? Through love. Wilsley goes on to say that he draws us first by good desires, not by compulsion, not by laying the will under any necessity, but by the strong and sweet yet still resistible motions of his heavenly grace. God shows us love, which draws us to Jesus. And then it is our decision to believe or not. And if you don't believe, there will not be eternal life with God. If there is one thing that I think Jesus has made perfectly clear to all of us these past two weeks is that all roads do not lead to heaven. There is one path. There is one truth. There is one way. There is one life. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes has eternal life. So what do you believe? That is the question, isn't it? If Jesus is beckoning us to come to him and to believe, what is it then that we say we believe? I read a story last year about a young girl who was in college who was hanging out with some of her contemporaries in her dorm. A discussion began about faith and the things that they believe and that kind of conversation. She was the lone Christian in a room full of non-believers, of unbelievers, of used-to-maybe believers. And they asked her, as the Christian in the room, explain to them what it is that she believed. What is it that made her so convinced of God's reality? What is it that assured her of her salvation through Christ? And this article said that even without thinking, that these words started to come out of her mouth. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. And as she continued, the fact that she stated this without hesitation and with conviction caused those non and un and maybe used to be believers to take another look at the good news of Christ Jesus. Friends, I want you to grab the nearest hymnal that is in your pew. And I want you to turn to page 881. My friends, I think that when God draws us to Jesus and we decide to come to him and believe, and we are all taught by God that what is contained in our Apostles' Creed is what makes up the backbone, the basis, the very foundation of who we are and whose we are. This is what we believe. This is the roadmap to eternal life. The very moment that we believe in Christ, friends, we are justified and accepted. And we have a peace with God that is immediate and without delay. And our name is written in the book of life, and we have a title to heaven, which death and hell and Satan cannot take from us. But as a people of faith, friends, it is important that we make our statement of faith. So I want you to join me as together, all of us in one voice, 
say together our Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. As we close, friends, I want to make one more observation. And I saw this on Twitter yesterday afternoon, so I can't take full credit for it. But I want all of us to think about this. In that creed we just said together, that we believe, our statement of faith, there are only three humans named in it. Jesus, Mary, Pontius Pilate. Or to think of it another way, you have Jesus, and then you have the one that said yes to Jesus, and you have the one that said no to Jesus. Friends, our lives are spent between those two poles. We are either swinging towards a deeper yes, or we are swinging towards a deeper no. We are all either swinging towards a deeper yes to Jesus or swinging towards a deeper no. We don't stand still. We're heading one way or the other. This morning, which way do you find yourself swinging? Towards a deeper yes and belief in Jesus or towards a deeper no? Instead, asking Jesus to prove something to you to do something for you, or arguing about what he tells you to do. Truly, truly, I tell you, he says, anyone who comes to me, I will not drive away. And whoever believes will have eternal life. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Until next time, God bless. Take care.